The world is more complex than ever. Who can make sense of it? Join Reverend Michael Angley Oguche on NUMA Podcast each week as he shows you how God's Word connects directly to your life in this age and helps you navigate trials and tribulations. If you want to deepen your relationship with God and learn what He has in store for you, listen and subscribe to NUMA Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for NUMA Podcast. Hello and welcome to NUMA Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche, bringing your way today the inspired Word of God, and I hope you will be blessed. Hello, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Please join me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for another privilege to be able to bring your word to the world. And Lord, I ask that you will illuminate the heart of the hearers of this podcast and inspire the speaker today. Lord, I know that each time we pray, you hear. And thank you for hearing and answering this prayer today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The speaker today is Pastor Mike. Hello and welcome to another insightful edition of Numa Podcast. Today we shall be building on the background we laid two Sundays ago. If you listen to that edition, I believe you made amazing discoveries about the story of creation, which revealed God's redemption plan rather than an account of how God made animals, places, and things. If you know how important your building project is, then you will take absolute care with its foundation because the foundation of the building is where every other thing rests. The whole purpose of creation was man. God created heaven and the earth for man. So then, because he had foreknowledge of man's wrong choice, he carefully laid out his plan of redemption. This was the story that Moses wrote about, but because his audience was hard of hearing, he used allegories to tell them about the God that he encountered. In that lesson, we looked at how God was describing through Moses his plan to found the perfect man in Christ. John then repeats that story of Genesis 1 in John chapter 1 from verse 1 by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is beautiful because John took his angle of interpretation from the Word, which is the source of all things. In verse 14, he declared, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The same word with which God created everything, which also had the fullness of the essence of God and his creation plan, became a man. Jesus is the prototype Adam in whom God forms and finds the man of his dream. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and any man who is reborn in him is an embodiment of the supreme being. This is man, the man that God said in Genesis 1 should have dominion over every created thing and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. God wants everybody, all human beings, to be made new so that they can take ownership and control of his beautiful creation. As we proceed in our exposition, I would like to ask you, I'd like to really ask you, are you born again? Are you a new creature in Christ Jesus? Have you been made new? It is very dangerous to live in the allegory of creation told by Moses about Adam, Eve, and their descendants. That was a generation and still is a generation that is cursed with death by the voluntary free will of Adam. But thank God Jesus came. Christ is the game changer for humanity. Through him, all men can now be saved and adopted into the family of God. Will you accept Jesus today? Will you confess him as your Lord and Savior? You can become, you can become a bona fide citizen of God's kingdom and a member of his family, redeemed and preserved for eternal glory. In the name of Jesus, please, could you say with me, Father, just say with me, Father, today I recognize that you came as your son Jesus and you suffered and died for my sin. I believe that his death brought me life. Therefore, now I receive life and confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And in the name of Jesus, that is established in heaven as we know it here on earth. And so, Father, we thank you for your gift of salvation that comes freely to all who believe. Thank you for these ones who believe now. Thank you also because your eternal life is in them and their hope is secure in Christ Jesus as ours is. Amen. Today, brothers and sisters would like to interrogate the event of Adam's fall as against the integrity and sovereignty of God. The question is, did Adam's fall take God unawares? Did creation actually get out of God's control? Was Jesus an afterthought or a correctional option that God had to cook up? These are the main points of our study today. Now let us take our text from the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 to 13. It says, Let us labor therefore to enter into the, that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, let me take this verse 13 in the easy version, easy English version. He says, there is nothing in the whole world that can hide from God. He can see everything completely and clearly. And we will have to explain to him everything that we have done during our lives. I want you to know that God is omniscient. He has total knowledge. There is nothing hidden from him. He is the beginning, he is the ending, and everything in between. 
God's knowledge is perfect. Before creation, he understood every created thing, their actions, their reactions, their inactions, and all the consequences that result. Before, during, after, and until the end of God's creation, everything that happened were happening are happening now and shall ever happen from now to the day that this world would wind up have all been naked and open unto God. So now you would ask, if God is this all-knowing, why then did he let man fall? You'll ask again, and if he knew man would fall, why then did he make man so man could just fall and mess everything up? Well, these questions are age-old, but the answer is not far-fetched. Understand that God has never left us in doubt of anything about himself. The Bible, which is the word of God, contains not just all that there is to know about God, but also all that God is revealed meaning that there is no information anywhere about God apart from what is contained in the Bible. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says in the International Standard Version, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been understood and observed by what he made, so that people are without excuse. This shows that everything that there is to be known about God is already revealed in the creation. It's already talking to us. It's already alive to us. All that Moses, the prophets, and the psalmists had been saying in diverse manners and at sundry times about God, God himself revealed it in a man to verify and clarify them. This man is Jesus. Of all that the prophets were saying about God, Jesus came to make that final statement so that today, if anyone is in doubt of God's nature and his character, such a person only has to go to the Bible and read about Jesus. Jesus is all that there is to know about God. All that may be known about God is perfectly wrapped up in a man, the man Christ Jesus. And when you search the scripture from Genesis to Malachi, you must be sure that you are only looking for the testimonies of the Christ. Jesus himself said, the scriptures testified about him in John chapter 5 verse 39. To go on right now, let us add a few more reinforcement to our foundation. God's nature and character are wrapped up in love and goodness. When we say that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present, the error can easily be that we think that God can just get up and do anything he likes at any time he pleases because he is God and nobody can question him. He can choose to smile now and soon get angry. He can build something today and tomorrow he'll just destroy everything. But no, that's not how it is. That is not how God is God. God's nature and character, which are love and goodness, they govern his sovereignty. John the Beloved puts it clearly in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says, This then is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
This is wonderful as we also see James pursue this in his book. Chapter 1, verse 17, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So, whatever comes from God and whatever has ever come from God has been good and perfect. Light here refers to consistency of character. God is not yesterday and no tomorrow. He is not angry now and happy later. There is no variableness or changing with God. God is not affected by events and circumstances because he knows them from the beginning. This is NUMA Podcast. God bless you. Keep listening. He understood their consequences and he proffered the ultimate solutions for them in Christ Jesus. God's sovereignty is governed by his integrity and responsibility. He is totally and completely different from our earthly leaders and rulers who perceive authority from a domineering and enforcement perspective. One of the things that God has never done and will never do is to tamper with man's will. He left man with the power to choose. The meaning of making man in God's image and likeness is so that man can have sovereignty. Remember that the difference between man and animals is that man has a will and a right to choose. God, in his infinite sovereignty and faithful justice, made man free. But he wanted man to be like himself, and that was only subject to man's choice. This is huge, of course. But God gave man sovereignty and had and still has respect for that sovereignty. So, being like God means that man would have authority and control over everything that God has made. However, God always visited man to propose the divine mandate to him and was patient enough to wait for man to make his choice. Knowing that Adam would fail did not scare God at all. Adam had to fail because he was Adam. God had the ultimate authority over all creation and everything that he created just as the maker of a thing knows how best that thing would work. But God would never force himself on any man or people. As it was then, so it is now. God has always sought ways to salvage man from destruction. But man has always sought ways to expel or bar God from his destructive lifestyle. Thank God for the superfluous grace that now abounds. God's wisdom before creation judged that the best formula for governing this earth is the combination or collaboration between man for whom the earth was made and the God who made all things. This formula is his eternal essence, is his word, which is his spirit and combined with man. That collaboration is God incarnate. He called him Jesus. We call him Jesus. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 calls him the last Adam. He is the first begotten from the dead. The nature and character of God expressed in a man is the only way to rule and govern God's creation. Man had to be first made man so that he can be a man. Being a man is a vital requisite element in the formula for the perfect design. But God, self-sufficient 
and secure. He gave man liberty to be man after giving him all the consequences that would follow. This singular act of making man man is the reason man is not a robot. God's nature and character speak of freedom and liberty. That is also why he never planned for any man to lord it over his fellow man, because he himself would never force his lordship on any man or any people, for that matter. These are the things that underscore God's integrity and sovereignty. All that God has ever done since creation has been to appeal, suggest, and propose to man. But man, always wanting his own way, would turn God's offer down. Yet thank God for his infinite mercy. Whenever man would mess things up, God always brought the solution and looked for the slightest opportunity to slip in and, and supply his grace and mercy. I want you to know that all the time and any time God has ever and will ever show up on the scene of man's bankruptcy has always and will always be to save. Take the case of Noah, for example. There are so many conflicting grammatic elements used in what we call the Old Testament. I often put it like this, that because those people of old had very limited knowledge of God and the devil, what they did was to interpret events from a preset template. That is, whenever anything happened, if the cause was not man or if the cause was beyond man, they would simply credit it to God. Remember that the rain was not an original creation of God. Remember also that as soon as Adam fell, the whole of creation which was subject to him fell. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 to 6, Moses wrote, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now look, he says, God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. Now do not forget that when Moses wrote the story of the beginning, there were events that, these were events, all of these were events that already had occurred. So his writing would take an interpretative angle because he was writing with a hindsight. If water could start pouring down from heaven just like that, no one else but God could cause it, as far as the writers understood. But we know that in the original books, the causatives were silent. The interpreters credited the floods of Noah to God, as well as the fire of Sodom and Gomorrah, the snake bites in the wilderness, or the evil spirit from God. Look at that, that entered Saul, and so on. But that was because they lost track of the fall of man. The fall of man was not from climbing a tree or a mountain. The fall of man refers to Adam's loss of control over all created things. So with Adam's fall came the flood. With Adam's fall came all the other natural disasters and consequences because the people of old had limited knowledge of God and the devil. Like I said, it was easy to credit God with the deaths, the killings and destructions instead of considering the law of cause and effect set off by Adam. When Jesus came, he was the answer or response and ultimate witness for God. He said in John chapter 10 verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. 
Jesus simply defines for us who it is that was causing the killing, stealing, and destruction ever since creation. Every time God has ever come on the scene, it has been to save. I have said this over and again. Man's fall brought death as the wages and death affected all of creation. So that now, since then, we have had sicknesses, diseases, poverty, natural disasters, and all forms of man's wickedness against his fellow man. But God has always and only been good. God has never ever done evil. God is ever consistent and always stable and infinitely the same yesterday, the same today and the same forever. He was not an angry God in the Old Testament and a loving father in the New. No, that would make him a schizophrenic God. God has always been gracious and merciful. Amen. As we take stock of the events in the garden, we see the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Be careful so that what you are seeing are not apple trees and mango trees and snakes. These are simply figures of speech signifying God's option of his word proposed to man, a man's choice that he calls unbelief and rebellion. When you carefully look at this, you will know that God had an excellent perspective of the end from the beginning and there is no way of creation falling out of his control. God's foreknowledge has always been the salvation plan. God's foreknowledge has always been to go to the man who lost everything and bring him back to where he had planned for him to be. God, being God, self-existent in himself, wanted to make himself known. And the only way to be known was to make man in his own image, after his likeness, a man who would relate with him and experience him. But first, that man had to be himself, be willing by himself and obedient. God knew that this would take a process. Everything about creation was a process, has always been a process. Life has been a process from the beginning. God's plan was a process that revealed man in physical creation, who was free to make his choice. And because of man's frailty outside God, God already put in that process the redemption plan. God's redemption plan was and still is a project to build a family, to build a kingdom. That kingdom and royal family he established upon Christ before the foundation of the world and from the beginning he released it in the spoken word carried by his Holy Spirit throughout all the ages until it alighted and became flesh through Mary. For God, it has always been a single ultimate plan rather than a first failed plan that demanded a second option. So in conclusion, did Adam's fall take God unawares? Did God's creation actually get out of his control? Was Jesus an afterthought or a correctional second option that God had to cook up? Not at all. God is all-knowing. God is self-sufficient. God is a supreme and sovereign being, yet he is governed by the integrity of his word and divine nature. God is a loving father. God remains the same. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not react. He is God. He only proacts because he has everything in perfect perspective. God is ever loving. This will never change. God's love is ever pouring to all men. Embrace him today 
and enjoy the superfluous grace of God. God bless you. In Jesus' name, Amen. What shall separate my heart from the precious love of Jesus? Love that's lavished on my heart, redemption's plan. What shall separate my heart from the precious love of Jesus? Love that's lavished on my heart, redemption's plan. You gave a part to come for me. You chose to die that I. listening to the NUMA podcast. I pray that God will richly bless you until I come your way again.